let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. The year was 1776, and the American War for Independence from England was fully underway. The British colonial masters greatly outnumbered the American freedom fighters, and the war was going very badly for the Americans. Desperate for a victory, the commander of the American troops planned a daring surprise attack against a British position across the Delaware River. And so it was that on December 25th, 1776, under the cover of night, General George Washington led the Americans across the river and prepared to attack. But unknown to them, there was a traitor in their midst, a spy who rushed ahead of the American soldiers to warn the British forces. When he reached the British camp, the spy went directly to Colonel Johann Rall, the leader of the Hessian troops fighting for England. The spy intended to warn Colonel Rawl of the imminent American attack. But when the spy tried to see Colonel Rawl, he was told that Rawl had left orders not to be disturbed. It seemed that Colonel Rawl was engaged in a very intense game of playing cards. And unaware of any danger, he refused to entertain any visitor. When the spy was blocked from seeing the British commander, he wrote a note warning of the American attack. He gave the note to a soldier who gave it to Rawl, but Rawl was too enthralled with his card game to read the note, so he slipped it inside his coat pocket and carried on with his game of playing cards. Early the next morning, the American army attacked and overwhelmed the unprepared British troops. The British surrendered but Colonel Rawl was shot and killed in battle. When they recovered his dead body, they discovered the unread note warning of the American attack still hidden inside his coat pocket. Had Colonel Rawl simply taken time to read the words written on the note, he and his troops would have been prepared for the attack. It's likely that the outcome of the battle and perhaps even the entire war would have turned out differently. The fact is, Rawl had all he needed to win the battle and keep himself alive. But failure to read and heed the message sent him to his death and defeat. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the true story of Colonel Rawl and the unread warning. Just like Rawl, we've all received a written message that contains all the words that will bring us deliverance and safety. For you see, God has sent us his word written in the Bible to give us warning from danger and a chance to escape. In God's word, we have life and peace, power, comfort, wisdom, and freedom, and every good gift God wants to give us. Yet how often do we become distracted with other things, unimportant things, and we ignore the written words of God? How often do we shove our Bibles to the side and fail to read and heed God's word? Today, I'm going to challenge you to make a new start with the Bible. I'm going to show you how you can abide in Christ by abiding in his word. But before we go further, let's stop and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for your word, your eternal, unbending, always reliable word. We thank you that you've given us your word to warn us, to heed us, to instruct us, to guide us. And we pray today that you'll give us a new hunger for your word, a new desire for your word, a new heart that will hunger and desire your truth. 
We bind every spirit of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. As we submit to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to come and enlighten us with your truth that we might abide in Christ. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. I invite you to take a moment. Join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God richly bless you for joining me on Truth For Today. It's a joy to have you here with me as we study the Word of God together. For I believe that God has brought all of us together for a purpose, and His purpose will be fulfilled as we open our hearts to Him. If you believe it, say amen. Now, to help us discover the purpose of God for our lives, we've prepared sermon notes. The sermon notes are free of charge, and you can easily download them from my website, and from all my social media sites. I invite you to take out your notes now. Follow along with me, and let's discover together the truth about abiding in God's Word. For the last few weeks, God has been teaching us what it means to abide in Christ. This is the season in the life of all of God's believers when we're getting closer to Jesus than ever before. Last week, we learned that the call to abide in Christ is the world's greatest invitation. God is passionate about pursuing us and drawing us to himself. Yet nothing will happen unless we respond to his call. We have to draw near to him in order to be close to Jesus. And today we're going to learn a very practical way for all of us to draw near to Christ. For the most practical way to respond to Jesus and abide in him is to get into his word. In fact, that's what Jesus himself said. He said, if you want to get close to me, get into my word. That's the message in our scripture text found in the book of John chapter 8, 31 to 32. It's on your notes, it's on your screen, but let's put God's word on our lips and read it all out loud together. Here we are, the words of God from John 8, 31 and 32. Ready, go. Then Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Think about these words from Jesus. His words are simple and straightforward. Jesus says, if you really want to follow me, get into my word. So let's discover what that means. Let's find out how we can all abide in the word of God. And here's your first truth today. To abide in the word of God, I must accept God's word. Everybody say, accept. Well, what must we accept about it? First of all, you have to accept that Jesus is the Word, and the Word of God is Jesus. For the Bible says in John 1, 1 and 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. See, friends, before we had the printed page, we still had God's Word. Before we had the Bible as we know it today, we still had God's Word. For God's Word is Jesus. And to add more impact to the words of God, Jesus came to be with us in the flesh to help us understand the Word. He said, I'm going to come to earth and keep speaking the words of God, but not only that, I'm going to show by my life what the words mean. Some people found it hard to understand God's word. So Jesus came from heaven to show us what it means. He came to demonstrate what he spoke. Years ago, when my oldest son, Richard, was a young man, I was teaching him how to tie a necktie. 
he held the tie in his hands and I told him what to do. Move it here, do this, put it through. But he couldn't seem to get it right. So finally, I went and stood behind him. I took the tie in my own hands and showed him how to tie the necktie as I talked him through it. That's what Jesus did for us. He not only speaks the word, but he came to earth to show us what the word means. Thank God for Jesus, the word of God. He not only brings us God's word, he brings us himself to make those words come alive. And that's why if you want to get really close to God, you have to get close to his word. You can't have Jesus if you don't have the word. The two are one. If you want to abide in Christ, you have to abide in the word. That's why you can trust the word of God. For Jesus and the word are one. And in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. So if you want to abide in Christ and abide in his word, you have to accept that the word of God is truth. Our text for today said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Everybody say the truth. And the truth, everybody say the truth, shall make you free. So when you abide in God's word, you're abiding in truth. And today, we need truth more than ever. Lies and deception and opinions dominate the news and social media and even the pulpits of the churches. Sometimes it can be difficult to know who to believe. You listen to one politician and he sounds right. You listen to another politician and he sounds right. But they can't both be right. This situation reminds me of something that happened a few years ago. Two men had an argument. So to settle the matter, they went to a judge for arbitration. The plaintiff made his case. He was very eloquent and persuasive in his reasoning. When he finished, the judge nodded in approval and said, that's true, that's true. On hearing this, the defendant jumped up and said, wait a minute, judge, you haven't even heard my side of the case yet. So the judge told the defendant to state his case. And he too was very persuasive and eloquent. When he finished, the judge said, that's true, that's true. When the clerk of the court heard this, he jumped up and said, George, they both can't be right. The judge looked at the clerk of the court and said, that's true, that's true. Hey, Friends, there may be many claims of truth in the world. Different religions claim truth. Opposing political parties claim truth. Opposite sides of court cases claim truth. But when two views oppose one another, only one can be true. You can't have two different ideas that oppose each other and both be true. Only one can be true. And truth is always exclusive. There can't be many different truths. Both Islam and Christianity cannot both be true. Both idolatry and Christianity can't both be true. Jesus said, I am the truth, not a truth, not part of the truth. He is the truth, the only truth, the only way, the only God. And truth doesn't change. If it were true yesterday, it's true today. For God's word is the only thing that will last. All other words will vanish, but God's word will endure because it is true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away because it is true. Not one dot, not one iota of the word of God will cease. And this is a big problem today in the church. Many of us accept whatever we're told. We don't want to offend anyone, so we go along with whatever they say. Our version of truth changes depending on whom we're with. But truth is truth. It never changes. And only God's word is the truth. In the church, we have to stop wavering between man's opinion and God's word. We're not called 
to follow man's theology. We're not called to follow man-made traditions. We're not called to follow man-made ritual. We're called to abide in the Word of God. If it's in the Bible, it should be in our belief and in our practice. And all of us must come to the place where our confidence in God's Word is so strong, so sure, that we can never be moved. For God's Word is the truth. There is no other truth. And anything that contradicts the Word of God is a lie. And the reason our belief in God's Word is so important is because it affects the way we live our lives. The reason we have so many Christians living such bad lives in fornication and immorality and lying is because we don't accept God's word as the only truth. We don't do what God says because we fail to see what God sees. But here's the truth you need to pack up and dig home with you today. If you see as God sees, you will do what God says. If you see the truth as God sees it, then it becomes easy to obey. Once a mother took her two sons to the beach to go swimming. The mother was relaxing on the beach, enjoying the sunshine and the cool breeze, while her two boys went out into the water and began swimming and splashing amongst the waves. Everyone was having a great time, and the boys were enjoying the water and the waves. But all of a sudden, as the mother looked out at her sons, she saw something that made her heart stop. There above the water was the shark fin, indicating a shark, and he was swimming directly to her boys with speed, moving quickly. The two boys did not see the danger. They were splashing in the water, enjoying the waves, but the mother saw the danger, so the mother started screaming, look out, get out, come out of the water. She's desperate for her children to come to shore. She's waving her hands and yelling, but the boys don't see the danger, so they do not understand her message. Because they're far away from her, they can't hear her words. So they look at their mother waving her arms, and they think she's waving at them to greet them. So they wave back, hello, mom, hello, mom. They don't see what she sees, so they don't do what she says. They ignore her gestures and her shouts. And it's the same with us. God sees the danger ahead. He knows what we don't know. And if we would see what he sees, we would do what he says. We would understand his message. And we can. We can see exactly what God sees. For the fact is when we read his word, the Lord shares truth with us. We get to know his view of our world, our lives, our future, our actions. And when we see what he sees and do what he says, we will be free, free from the traps and the tricks of the devil. We avoid the problems and escape the destruction of this world. That's why God's word is so powerful. It's powerful because it can change your view and change your life. That's why you need to accept that the word of God is powerful. Listen to what Jesus said in John 6, 63. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. God's words are not normal words. They're spirit. The Greek word Jesus used in this verse is the word pneuma. We don't really have an English word that covers the entire meaning of pneuma. We had to translate pneuma in English as spirit, but it literally means breath. In other words, there's power in life that comes along with the word God breathes. God breathes his word with his very being so that it will be fulfilled. The fact is God never just speaks. He always speaks 
and gives the power to fulfill. There's never a word from God without the power to fulfill it alongside with it. And when you accept the word of God, you're not just getting information. You're getting the power to obey the information. For the power to obey comes with God's word. And that's why we must accept that the word of God is alive. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Your Bible is not a normal book. It's not just a historical writing or account. It is the breath of God. It's alive. It has power. It can do great things, and it will set you free. And notice exactly what the Apostle Paul says in the end of verse 12. The word of God gets inside of you because it's alive and powerful and active. It transforms you. The word of God is not just facts and information on a page. It exposes the thoughts and attitudes of man. It's sent by God to get inside the deepest part of you, designed for your ears and for your heart. And that brings us to our second truth, to abide in God's word, I must assimilate God's word. Assimilate means to absorb, to take in and incorporate as your own. So when you want to abide in God's word, you have to first accept it, and then you have to assimilate the word of God by faith inside of you. This is what Paul told the church in the book of Hebrews 4.2. The good news was preached to you just as it was to them, but the teaching they heard did not help them because they heard it but did not accept it by faith. In other words, they listened to the words, but did not assimilate it inside of them. And faith is required to get anything out of the Bible. Faith is what makes the Bible come alive. Faith is the supernatural belief in what God says. If you don't mix the word of God with faith, it won't help you. It will do no good. But when you have faith in the word, then God's spirit turns the natural into the supernatural. And that has powerful results. Sometimes people say, well, the word of God is not working for me. This promise is not working, but it won't work if you don't believe it. The word works when you believe. The word works when you accept it, assimilate it inside of you, and act on it. Once there was a man driving alone across the Sahara Desert, he was out there by himself in a sturdy truck. He'd brought along supplies and water and bottles and everything he needed. But somehow when he got out into the middle of the Sahara Desert, unfortunately his vehicle broke down. He got out of the car in the scorching sun, opened the bonnet and tried to repair it, but he couldn't get the car started. And then he knew he was in trouble. If he stayed in the car, he would surely die as there was almost no possibility of anyone coming to rescue him in time. And so he had no choice but to get out of the car and begin to try to trek across the desert, hoping and praying he could get to the next oasis before he died. The journey was long and hot. He was sweating a lot. And the man had carried some water bottles with him. He began to drink them one by one, but eventually the water ran out and he was so thirsty. The sun was hot. The wind was dry. The desert was empty. It seemed like all hope was gone. His water was finished. He trekked for miles and miles without any end in sight. And he thought he would die. And just when he could not go on any further, 
he saw in the distance a small oasis. There were palm trees and a well with a hand pump. The man was so excited, he used his last effort to run to the oasis. He ran to the hand well and began to pump with all of his might. He was pumping and pumping, and the well was making a noise. But no matter how hard he tried, no water would run through the pump. For you see, it had been unused for so long, the pump was dry. The pump needed to be primed, and the only way to prime the pump would be to pour water into the pump. The man had no water. Here he was sitting on top of a well that had water in it that would bring him life, but the pump was not working. He needed water to prime the pump. He became so discouraged, he fell down on the sand thinking his life was over. But as he fell down, his hand hit something hard. He brushed aside the sand and uncovered a water bottle filled with water. One bottle filled with water. Hallelujah. My life is spared. But as he grabbed the bottle and uncorked it to take a drink and save his life, he noticed a note written on the side, a handwritten note taped to the bottle. It said, do not drink this water. Hey, I need the water. This water will give me life. Then he read further. The note said, use this water to prime the hand pump on the well, and you will have all the water you need. The man had a choice to make. He could drink the water and immediately satisfy his urgent thirst. But once he did, there was no other water, no other source. Or he could step out in faith take the only water he had and pour it into the hand pump and take a chance. He had to risk it all to get more water. He thought and struggled. He was so thirsty. He put the bottle to his lips, but then he said, no, it was only one bottle. It would only last a few hours. But if he poured it and primed the hand pump, then he would have water. But what if it didn't work? What if he poured out the water and the pump didn't work? Oh, what should he do? Finally, he uncapped the water bottle. He went to the water pump and primed the pump. He poured out all the water in the bottle and primed the pump, and then he tried the pump. <coughs> Nothing happened. He kept trying. <coughs> Wait, what was that? <coughs> Water came out. Water came rushing out. Water, enough water to fill his bottles and help him live. And that's how faith operates. You have to agree with God's word. You have to take what God wrote and act on it and apply it and assimilate it. No matter what you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what people say, abide in God's word. If you don't prime the pump, the pump won't work. If you don't put faith in the word, the word won't work. You have to read what's written and believe the instructions and act on it. Sometimes people say, well, I lack faith, Reverend. I need more faith. But that's not true. We all have faith. Every time you sit in a chair, you have faith that the chair will hold you. Every time you ride in a car, you have faith it will carry you where you want to go. Every time you pour water into glass, you have faith that the glass will hold the water. We live every day of our lives by faith in a hundred ways. 
It's just a question of what you choose to believe. Perhaps you just need to look at faith from a different view. Faith is simply agreement. It's agreeing with a statement or a claim or a belief. Faith in God's word is simply agreement with God's word. It's saying, I agree with that. When God speaks, faith agrees. I don't know about you, but I've been married for quite a long time now. I've been married for 40 years. And I think that the best secret to keeping married and being happy is agreeing. If you want to be happily married, you have to learn the power of agreement. If you learn to agree in marriage, your marriage will be agreeable. If you disagree in marriage, your marriage will be disagreeable. But if your marriage is agreeable, it's going to produce something good. Good things happen when you agree and your marriage is agreeable. And faith is simply agreeing with God. When you agree with God, your faith will be agreeable and it will produce something good. So assimilating God's word by faith means uh, we agree with it. This is what happened to Mary when she conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Luke 1, 34 to 38. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When the word of God came to Mary, she activated it by faith when she agreed. She said, okay, I accept it. I agree with it. I take it within me. And at that moment, she conceived Jesus, the son of God in the flesh. And the same thing will happen to you when you agree with God's word, when you take it inside of you, your soul will become a place where the seed of God's word will bring forth life. The living, active, powerful word of God is a seed and it will take root in you. It will bring forth life and liberty and love and every good gift God has given you. That's why there's a difference between going through the Bible and letting the Bible go through you. A lot of people read the Bible, but they don't let the Bible read them. A lot of people work their way through the Bible, but we need to let the Bible work its way through us. You may go to theological seminary and learn all the information there is to learn about the Bible. You may memorize the Word of God, but it's one thing to accept the Word and another to assimilate and absorb the Word. You have to do both. For even Satan himself knows the Bible. When he came to tempt Jesus, the Scriptures tell us that Satan quoted Bible verses to Jesus. Oh, that's pretty bold, quoting the Word of God to the Word himself. But the Word in Satan's mouth had no impact because it wasn't absorbed and acted on in his life. But when you assimilate the word of God, when you accept it and absorb it, you will be transformed. So here's the truth you need to hold in your heart today. Don't just master the Bible. Let the Bible master you. You've got to get the Bible inside your heart. Assimilate it by meditating on the word of God. Assimilate it by faith. Assimilate it by agreement. Assimilate it by allowing God's word to come in through through meditation. Listen to this powerful promise in Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Somebody say amen. See, meditation digs deeper. Meditation takes the word and applies it to every area of your life. Meditation asks 
questions. What does this mean? Why is this here? Why did God say this? How does this affect me? How will this affect my words and my actions today? Meditation keeps seeking the truth until there is life transformation. That's the lesson we can learn from one of the most famous and beloved monuments in the U.S. capital, Washington, D.C., the Lincoln Memorial. The Lincoln Memorial is a majestic building with a beautiful marble statue of the American president, Abraham Lincoln. But about 35 years ago, the U.S. government noticed that the Lincoln Memorial was slowly crumbling and deteriorating. This mighty marble building made of stone and concrete was falling apart. Why? Well, when they investigated, they discovered that the problem was from water. Every day, a cleaning crew was giving the great marble statue of Abraham Lincoln and the adjacent walls and floors a daily scrubbing, and it seemed that the water was causing the marble and stone to break down. But one director decided to dig deeper. He said, well, that's part of the problem, but is that the only problem? So he asked the question, why are we cleaning the Lincoln Memorial every day? When they investigated, they discovered that they were cleaning every day because there were a, a huge mass of birds that were living in the monument and they left a mess every day. So the director decided to dig deeper. So he asked the question, why are there so many birds living at the Lincoln Memorial? When they investigated, they discovered that all the birds lived there because there were so many spiders. But why were there so many spiders living inside the Lincoln Memorial? And they came to find out the problem was midges. Midges are small winged insects that breed in the muddy flats of the nearby Potomac River. Midges swarm into the air at dusk to mate. And when they did, they were drawn by the huge bright lights of the Lincoln Memorial. The midges would fly into the memorial and smash into the limestone walls, and their protein remains drew the spiders, which drew the birds, which created the mess, which caused the custodians to clean with water every day, which caused the memorial to erode. Why was the Lincoln Memorial eroding? Because of the tiny midge. But you wouldn't find that out until you asked why four times. On the surface, the problem looks simple. But when they dug deeper, they came up with a real solution. And that's what it means to meditate. If you skim over the surface of God's word, you may think you've understood the truth. But when you dig deeper in meditation, you get to the real source. You find the real problem and the real solution. When you scratch beneath the surface, you come up with answers that hit at the heart of the matter. You have to dig deeper to find the answers. Don't just read a chapter every day in a hurry on the trotro on your way to work. Don't just read a few verses from a daily devotional. Ask yourself, what is God saying? What does this mean? How does it apply to my life? And when you do that, you're ready for the third level of abiding in the Word of God. Apply God's Word. The last verse we just read in Joshua 1.8 tells us that meditation must lead to application. You meditate so that you can do what it says. Everybody say, do. And when we apply the word, we take the final step to abiding in it and getting the benefit from it. For it's only when you apply God's word that you receive the full impact of God's word. That's why David said in Psalm 119, 9 and 11, how can a young man stay pure? 
by obeying your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the purpose of meditating and assimilating God's word inside of you is to change you. That's why James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Tell your neighbor, do what it says. The truth is God is calling you to abide in him. He is the word and you cannot abide in Christ without abiding in his word. But it's not just listening. It's absorbing and applying and it's acting on it. God's word isn't just an optional activity that shows your commitment to God. It's an essential, foundational, life-transforming part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in our scripture text, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And Jesus echoes that truth in Matthew 7, 24, when he said, the words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. When you do that, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Once a young man was getting ready to graduate from university. For many months, he'd admired a beautiful new car that was on display at the car dealer. The young man's father was very wealthy, and he knew his dad could afford that very car. So the son kept telling his dad, Dad, for my graduation, I want you to buy me that car. That's all I want, Dad. If you get me that car, I'll do the rest. As graduation day approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car. And finally, on the morning of his graduation, his father called him into his private office. His father told him how proud he was to have such a fine son and told him how much he loved him. And then he handed his son a beautiful wrapped gift box. The boy thought, the keys to the car must be in that box. Hallelujah, I've got my car. So he opened the box. But he was disappointed when he found a lovely leather Bible with his name on it. What? The young man wanted a car, and his father gave him a Bible. He knew his father could afford the car. The son wasn't interested in the Bible, so the son didn't say anything. He just looked at the Bible, put it on his dad's desk, and walked out of the house. Many years passed. And the young man became successful. He had a beautiful home, a lovely family, but he wasn't close to his father. And he never mentioned the Bible to him again. Then one day, the son received a call telling him, your father has passed away. He's left his possessions to you. Come and sort out his will. So the son went home to take care of things. And when he arrived at his father's house, Suddenly he was filled with regret and sadness, thinking of how he'd rejected his father's graduation gift and had hardly spoken to his dad since then. The son walked into his late father's office, went over to the desk and sat behind it, and there he saw the Bible, the Bible his father had given to him on his graduation. Oh, with tears. He opened the Bible and began to flip through it. And as he did, Suddenly, he came across, in the middle of the Bible pages, a car key. It had a tag with the dealer's name, the same dealer who was selling the new car he'd wanted so many years ago. And on the tag was the date of his graduation and the words, paid in full. His father had bought him that new car when he graduated. 
but he'd hidden the key and the deed inside the Bible. Because the boy wasn't interested in the Bible, he never discovered the key and never accessed everything his father gave to him. And that's how it is for many people today. We seek what we think we want, but we neglect the Word of God. We chase after all the things that this world has to offer, but we ignore the Bible. Yet the Bible has everything you need and want. If you'll abide in the Word of God, you'll abide in Christ. You'll be a true follower of Jesus, and the Word of God will set you free. All you have to do is just open it up and get started. Start by accepting it. You'll see what God sees and you'll be able to do what he says. Then assimilate it. Let God's word get inside of you. Don't just go through the Bible. Let the Bible go through you and apply it. At the end of the day, it's what you do with what you know that matters most. For Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Father, I pray for each one watching and listening right now. Lord, move in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We become distracted with other things, chasing things of this world. But Lord, your word is what will make an eternal difference. So come and give us a hunger for your word. Come and give us a desire. Come and give us revelation. Come and let the word of God be accepted and assimilated and acted on in our lives. Come and move in us to mix faith with your truth, by agreeing with your word that we will bring forth life, liberty, and every good thing you desire. We submit to you now. We bind every work of the enemy that would come to steal the seed of God's word out of our hearts. And I loose the spirit of the living God to water this word and let it grow to take root and grow up strong to bring fruit. We thank you now by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.